Hi, it's Tuesday. Just finished uh, college, actually, and let me do the Haftar now. I have a sponsor for the Haftar. I do not have a sponsor yet for the Parsha. Um, the Haftar sponsor has to be anonymous, so I, I honor that. And uh, thank you very much. And we have here the glorious Shimon uh, Chemta prophecy of Isaiah 60, Yahu, um, where he describes future times, as a lot of these things do. And... Um, <coughs> Uh, and the remarkable part over here, as I understand it, is this uh, interesting use of light and darkness as themes in this Haftorah. Uh, Kumiori means arise and shine. Ori doesn't mean my light. In this case, it's a verb, you know, like a tivoy. Kumiori, arise and shine. And the glory of God is shined upon you. So here we use the theme of Or and Choshech and in the Messianic era. And what's really interesting is that it reverts back, to, as I understand it, it reverts back to the original use of Or and Choshech, which of course is the very beginning of Bracious, the Genesis account. As we know, but in the beginning, how's it go? Bracious, my verse, or so, Tova, Vova, Choshech, Alpanei, Tohom. Choshech, Alpanei, Tohom. Now, again, everybody knows, certainly, I mean, I know you know this anyway, you've, you've certainly heard my podcasts, that or originally doesn't mean light, because that comes before, what, the third day when they created, you know, the light and the dark and the colors and all that. Uh, but rather, or, in the original sense, he or, means some kind of knowledge. Uh... You could say he or means let there be an intelligent design, intelligent plan of creation, something along those lines. And we all know that this or is very special because um, you lose track of it pretty quickly because on the third day comes the other kind of light with the sun and the moon and the stars and all the rest of it and the spectrum and, and what you and I call light and colors. So how come you never hear about that or? So that's the Or Haganus. As I'll say famously, that Or, which is pure knowledge of some sort or another, is reserved for the future. Oh, this Parsha is the future. Kumi Ori, Kivo That's the Or that was hidden from once upon a time. Now, it's not a light. It's a knowledge. Matter of fact, in Hebrew, very likely, the concept of what you, what you and I in English call light is derived from the fact that knowledge is enlightening, as we say. It, 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 it spreads knowledge and information, which means, metaphorically, you light things up. Because when things are dark, I can't see them, and when they're lit up, I can. So, kumi <clears throat> So, the prophet, I say, is talking about the future, and he's saying that the light will come back. Right? The, the order was put away. Uh, but it'll come back in a funny way. Okay, this is the fascinating part. How do the Chazal describe the Aragonus? That they say, you know this, that Hashem saw that the world's not ready for it, and so he put it away for the Tzadikim lost at level. So what does it mean the world's not ready for it? So, I don't know. How can I know? Because we don't know what it is. But it seems to be, let me put it this way. Sometimes I've interpreted it as, you know, too much knowledge. One of the problems we have in the world today is that there's a gap 
between the knowledge that we've all picked up in the last hundred years on the one hand, and the lack of moral development on the part of the human race on the other. So you could get some nut, some Hitler-type guy or something like that, and get a hold of an H-bomb and blow up the world or whatever. You see, that would reflect the gap between the genius involved in putting together the physics project and creating a hydrogen bomb, and then the uh, dumbness of the dictator that would use it to blow up somebody, blow up a whole people or something like that. That's uh, Hitler is the, is the poster boy, the icon, icon for the idea of marrying a, a tremendous science with total evil. So you could therefore say that Hashem saw that the world wasn't ready for the or for this pure knowledge, and therefore he did it for lost Lobo. Except we haven't quite seen that in our time. Or maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. The high noob. In the last 80 years, they, they, the A-bomb, the H-bomb, and all the other kind of nuclear weapons. I, the world's not ready for it. Right? The world's not ready for it. It's very likely one day, some nut somewhere, will press the button and everything will go kablooey. It's totally possible. And as a matter of fact, I think when they take polls of young people nowadays... If they have any education whatsoever, do you ask them, do you think you'll be around in your children's time, all the rest of it? Many of them say no, because just a question of the clock ticking. Sooner or later, somebody's going to open up the world. So we're not ready for that or. But a day will come, so they can lost his love when it will be ready. Now, I gave a desacralized and secular interpretation of the or. A kind of scientific or whatever knowledge, technological knowledge, that, you know, that can be misused. Because the idea is that there is the um, the pure science of it, and then there's the application. And if you use all the nuclear stuff to cure cancer, that's one thing. Or to end poverty, or or, or uh, end the energy crisis, uh, clean the air, whatever, you know, that's one thing. If you use it to kill people and stuff, that's another thing. Kumi Orikibo Rech, Kvodesham Zarach. So Yeshayos says... Time is coming when um, it'll be the time for Tzadikim lost at level. But listen closely what I just told you. Hashem said, the human race is not ready for it, so I'm going to keep it away until the Tzadikim lost at level. I'm going to keep it away until the Tzadikim lost at level. Does that mean that when there are Tzadikim lost at level, God will, will reveal it to the world? Or does it mean he'll reveal it to the Tzadikim lost at level? In other words, the tzaddikim today aren't on the right madrig either. They'll have to be the tzaddikim lost love And they will know what to do with the or. That is the world that Isaiah is describing in our remarkable Haftorah because he says that it is Klal Yisrael and Klal Yisrael alone that will have the light. And anybody who wants to have the light or the wisdom, the knowledge, will have to go to the Jews and acknowledge their um, intellectual and moral superiority. I mean, he says it black and white. The whole world, meaning the Goyim, will be covered by Choshech. Right? The nations will be covered by Arafel, which is thick uh, darkness. In other words, uh, in terms of their intellectual maturity, their moral maturity, I should say, religious maturity, it will be Choshech and Arafel. But by you, the Kla Yisrael, there will be the, the Or. Right, it says Kavod Hashem Alayich Zorach. So the Kavod Hashem, which is another way of saying the or and all that, will be Zorach. So imagine a scene in which you have a huge dark area, 
sometimes like you see an entertainer has this right that you know the whole uh, stage area is black and then there's a spotlight on someone so we all see that where we're sitting it's all pitch black and we don't know where we're going but i can see in the distance the spotlight on the entertainer let's say or the speaker or something like that and therefore i say to myself if i want to get somewhere um i can't move to my right or left or back because it's all black i might be stepping on somebody stepping in a hole i'm i don't know where i'm going but i know the place to look and and if somebody turned off that spotlight it'd be a bummer because you know all that would be around us would be i wouldn't know my way around that's how you get these uh panics and people you know these tramplings and things of this nature but if you see a spotlight somewhere then you head towards that light and that is what's going to be metaphorically at a time of shift that's how the prophet yeshaya is describing it okay so a time will come when the world will see itself the guy will see itself uh, morally spiritually some other way as being in Chayshech and they will look at Klai Yisrael as the one that has the spotlight on it or the, or the knowledge and therefore they'll say if we want to get out of the Chayshech we have to go to where the light is or the knowledge nations will go and do that and when that happens it's another way of saying that people recognize that the Torah is the true thing and that the Jewish interpretation of the Torah is the true thing because as you know a great deal of mankind holds that the Torah is the true thing but they they, they insist on their interpretation of the Torah uh, they reject our interpretation of the Torah but a time will come that uh, that uh, the, the the leaders and the elites and the whole nations will admit that we're the right thing. So basically, he's describing what we say in the in the prayers on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and so on and so forth. And then, we don't look forward to a world in which we beat up anybody, in which we rule people which they dominate them, all the rest of it. We just want a world that'll say, you were right and we were wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds. But we say to the nations of the world, what's your problem? We're not looking for money from you. And we're not looking, like I say, to enslave you. And we're not looking to hurt you or anything like this. We would just like you to hear, you know, you were right and we were wrong. And now we see it, and 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 we're saying that to help ourselves. You understand? We're saying to help ourselves. Now... As things stand right now, I don't see this happening in the Middle East. As they say, hell will freeze over first. But, fair face, you know? Uh, that's why the Navi is saying, Kumi A time will come when even the worst enemies, the Klaiso, will have no choice but to, 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 uh, to do it. And it'll be quite a scene. You'll see all the Arabs, the Saudi Arabians, the Syrians, the Iranians, the this, that, and the other, all heading towards Yushalayim and saying, you were right and we were wrong. Open your eyes and see everybody coming from all over the place to Baal They're letting the Jews, your children, come back to Eretz Yisrael, right? And and you'll be trembling your heart and knows you'll basically have a positive heart attack, so to speak. I don't mean that in a funny way. You won't have a heart attack, but you'll be It'll be like a, a rush, man, like a chill. 
<laughs> what's the like a high? That's the right word, right? You'll have a high. Because there'll be a mapecha that the hamon yam nechel goyim, the people who hated you and 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 were massed against you in the zillions and shmillions, will come will come in a different way, sort of bowing down, as it were. And like I said before, if you see the Palestinians and basically you know the the Syrians and the Iraqis and the this and that and the other and the Nazi party. Because that's what he means. They'll say, boy, we were wrong the whole time. My goodness. Uh, now we see. So that will require some kind of divine intervention. I mean, that's not happening on its own, as far as I can see. Now, when I say not as far as I can see, how far can I see? <laughs> you know, how far can you see? Nobody knows what the future brings. And by that, I mean that we live in an age of technological game changers, right? Technological game changers. Science is producing things that completely changed the playing field. Like I mentioned the other day, used to be, how would you know, you know, who's the 10 tribes? But now with the genetics, and it, you know, a whole new, uh, you know, vista of possibilities has unleashed itself in front of us. And, you know, our parents who didn't live in the time of such discoveries couldn't imagine it. You have to be like a Jules Werner H. with H.C. Wells or one of those type of people, you know, to come up with some kind of a scenario of that sort. So the ore, the knowledge, the perceptions will radically uh, change. And Hashem can do that. So you don't need to pray for the death of the enemies. You can for the enlightenment of the enemies. Okay? The whole masses of Hamon Yom, there are as many as the sea. By the zillions, they'll come. And instead of being covered with enemies... You'll 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 have shivas gamalim, you know, all the abundant the caravans of camels, which another way of saying economic goodies will cover you. Bichri midyan ve'efer kum mishvayavo zahavu levona yisol til seshem yivaseiro. They'll be bringing zav and kesev and levona and til seshem yivaseiro, and they'll be saying to Helen. Now, again, this is not referring to the Jews; it's referring to the Kohen. He's saying that there will be a transformation in the world's perception of Klal Yisrael. And uh, that'll be something to see. That'll be something to see. He uses the language of 3,000 years ago. The sheep and the cattle and everything will come and bow down to you. And, you know, and, 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 and you'll be amazing. Right? The islands wait on me and the ships of Tarshish. That is to say, people come from far away with the gold and silver, he says. And as a result, when people recognize the moral greatness of Kleisrol, which does not exist today, he's talking about a different era. Don't think that, you know, uh, let, let me put it this way I wish it existed today, and I wish every member of Kleisrol was honest as the day is long and was uh, as exemplary in his and her lifestyle as it's possible to be. Uh, I always re- quote Sam Springfield Hirsch. He was convinced if everybody would be a, a, a Yisrael Mensch, as he calls it, known as a real keeper of the Torah, not just selected mitzvahs, right? Not just how long is the payas, right? But, you know, uh, equally honest in in business, uh, equally honest in Onos Dvarim, and, you know, being nice, and Haftariach Kamocho. That's, I mean, if we took it for real, 
then you'd have a different reality. So I, I would like to think that uh, Yeshua is talking about such an ear when the Jews will finally get it. And then, So then, it's really interesting. I mean, the whole thing's interesting. And that is, he says that the children of your oppressors will be the people who will come on their knees to you. Um, I think I mentioned before, I'm not sure. Believe it or not, we've seen this only in a tiny, tiny bit. You know, nowhere near what Yeshua was talking about. Uh, where there are cases of children and grandchildren of big Nazis from Hitler's circle who now live in Eretz Yisrael. Some of them converted to Judaism. It was in the papers a couple years ago. Um, I think Hermann Goering's grandchildren, something like that, which boggles the mind, right? Except that it's mamash, hochoilach, shchach, b'nei manayach, that who will come and bend the knees to you, b'nei manayach, those are children of those who tortured you. And all those who despised you will bow at your feet. So that's what I mean when I say that it's a remarkable scene to envision that the Arabs now, who have spent so much time against Israel and the Klaus Rope, and, you know, the formerly the Germans, and, I don't know, you know, the, the Jewish history has a long record of people who are oppressing the Jews. The Menatsayach, the Menayach, and all the rest of it. And what he's saying is, if you wonder why God hasn't destroyed him or something like that, uh, it's because there's something, there's a task and a role they have to play in the messianic uh, vision in the future. In other words, ask yourselves the following question. If Hitler and the, and the Germans did so much bad things to the Jews, which they did, why was it that the good Lord arranged matters that the A-bomb wasn't ready in time for them? Why wouldn't it have been you know, now I told you we did Oppenheimer the other day and all that, and the movies and the A-bomb and H-bomb. How come, I mean, this is the way theoretically it should have been. The Germans were torturing and killing the Jews on an industrial scale, and then Edward Teller got a chop. He was Jewish, and he invented an H-bomb, let's say, for example, in 1943. And then sometime in 1944, they dropped an H-bomb or two in Germany, which is big enough to wipe out the whole country. Not an A-bomb, H-bomb, right? Which he developed eight years later. He said, why didn't he get it this time? And then he dropped one in Berlin, and he dropped one in another place, and then that's the end of the whole thing. And then people say, oh, you see, you messed with Claw Yisrael, and this will happen to you, get wiped off the face of the earth. It wouldn't bring back our dead, but it would have at least showed that there's yesh din v'yesh dying. But it didn't happen that way. Instead, Germany was totally spared, and you know, and Japan got the, the A-bomb, as we know. So a person was like, why would this be? What knows? How, how does God operate? Uh, uh, explain me that. Why was it like that? Right? As a matter of fact, the Japanese didn't do anything bad to the Jews. Why, why was it like that? So, first of all, I don't know the answer. I'm not God. But, but according to this Haftor reading today, the reason that Hashem spared the German people was he has plans for them. And believe it or not, a time is coming in the future when people like them will play a major role in the Messianic era. And instead of being Azuv of Usnu of Einover, you'll be Gaon Olam Masust over door. So, uh, you don't know what the plans of the Bunshul are, except that he does 
predict through the mouthpiece of Yeshayo Hanavi that the Menatzayach and the Beimayach, the people, the descendants of those who did terrible things to you, uh, will in the future play a major role. I'll give you just a little example. Now, it's a dumb, stupid example. But I'll just a little, you can't compare, but I'll just give an example. The state of Israel survived because Germany, starting in 1952, started giving hundreds of millions of dollars. At that time, money, you know, think of what uh, seven, eight hundred million was in 1952 dollars, what it is today. And they needed that money desperately. You know, it was all controversies in Israel should take the money. Now, I'm saying it's a dumb example because you're not comparing six million dead with six hundred million, seven hundred million dollars and, and actually a couple billion by the time. I mean, they're still giving out money. But it's the, it's that idea that the people who were torturing you before are now helping you out and helping to build Ir Hashem, Tzim, Kedosh Yisrael, and so the rest of it. Now, again, that's a tiny, tiny little example. What it's going to be in Mashiach times is a zillion times that much. Okay? Uh, so the glorious future consists of the moral victory of the Mashiach and the Jews, and not the military victory. That's the interesting part. It doesn't say, like somebody might want to say, and say like this, a time will come when a Bar Kochva figure will arise. Like Rabbi Kiva said, Darach Kochva Miyakov Umochatz is Pase Moav, right? A star will rise and smash in the brains of the enemy. And there will be a Messianic figure that will arise in Israel, and he'll destroy all the Arabs or destroy all the enemies of the Jews. Or Don't say that. Right? Don't talk like that. Because that's saying that the other side is incorrigible and there's no hope for them or anything like that. On the contrary, the victory that will characterize the Mashiach time is a moral one. It's a spiritual one. It's one that doesn't involve violence. It's one in which the Moral superiority is of such a nature that even the most hard-bitten, violent types will say, you know, we give in. We're going to go along with you. In fact, we want to serve you. We see now that you're, you know, in, in, infinitely superior to us and that Rabban Shalom is, uh, you know, wants, you, wants us to do this and we want to bring all the goodies to you, Elaine Nevoyos and Shifaz Gamalim and all the other things like that. And... That will be the triumph of light over darkness. The triumph of light over darkness. And it means that the light that we're talking about will be the, the recognition of truth, will be that knowledge, that liberating knowledge. And then, you know, I guess the world will be ready for it, which is why you have, and I'll tell you again, I'm only doing a short podcast on this. This is something that takes a couple hours to develop the theme of light and darkness over here. But when he says that you find... Uh, this era that I'm talking about, there be no more violence in Eretz Yisrael, or trouble in your borders. Uh, when you have like that, then that or will make the regular or look like garnished. You understand? Notice if I say that the knowledge that I'm speaking about today has some kind of uh, a connection with light over darkness, because as I said before at the beginning of the podcast, Light is a metaphor for knowledge or the other way around because it enables you to see through the darkness. So the Navi says the nature of the knowledge revolution that will take place in the Messianic era is such that the sun will no longer be your light by day and the moon by night. 
Now, it will. In other words, there will be a sun and a moon, but that will seem a joke compared to the or, to the knowledge that will be revealed. Right? That Hashem will be the light and 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 the and the uh, and, and the moon, sun and the moon, and that moon that sun won't set, and that moon won't go away. Okay, so uh, this is a very sublime scene. It's actually not easy to understand, obviously, and Jewish thinkers down the ages always trying to figure out, you know. What exactly it means, none of us know, because it hasn't happened yet. But the basic idea is that you transcend uh, revenge, feelings of getting back, all the rest of it, and you instead just move all knowledge and discussion of anything to a different plane of existence. I'm not interested in getting back to getting back at you. I'm not interested in, you know, scoring points, anything like this. I want things to be better. And if things to be better, I don't care how it happens. Right? You know, it, it, even if it involves the cholesterol being the first, or something like that, uh, it's not easy for people to get past that. And I've said a hundred times, you have that famous Moshe from Hunan Benishak, which is the angel says to somebody, I'll do to you something, but I have to do to your neighbor twice as much. And he said, knock out my eye, right? So the neighbor will be blind. And that's so true of the human uh, perverseness. Why didn't the guy say, I guess, give me a trillion dollars or give me a hundred trillion dollars and give the next guy two hundred trillion dollars. What do I care? If I got my hundred trillion, I'm doing okay. See, why did the person think like that? The Navi Shayo is thinking like that here, okay? That's what he's thinking. And the world, he predicts, will reach a point where they'll say, I'd rather be machnia to Kalal Yisrael and therefore get my hundred trillion than insist that, you know, under no circumstances it will be machnia to them and I'd rather lose both eyes. That's emotion. When reason and common sense take over, then it'll be the true messianic era. That's what I think is going over here in the Parsha. It's very interesting, this, this uh, use of light and darkness in that regard. Anyway, I want to thank the anonymous sponsor over here um, this week, and uh, it's a remarkable Haftorah. Uh, I've heard him lame, I think, once. And uh, with that, I wish you a good day. I'm still looking for somebody to cover the parship, if anybody will step forward.